0: Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader.
1: I've probably learned the most from seeing things done not well, rather than well, because you know, well, I think is natural. It, It is that natural position for a leader, if they're doing it well. It's very obvious or it stands out when it's the opposite.
0: Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Rick Rowan. Rick is the founder and CEO of Neurocore Bioelectronics, a UK-based medical technology company specialising in non-implantable electroceuticals and bioelectrical medicine. The development of its technology is making a positive impact on the quality of life of its users on a global scale. After living with back pain, Rick resolved his issue using bioelectrical medical technology. Rick then began the seven-year journey of developing groundbreaking application of centuries-old medicine using the latest technology and the best available medical evidence. Rick joins us today to share his insight and his story as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today. Rick, it's great to have you with us.
1: Thanks, Amy. It's been my absolute pleasure to be here.
0: Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit about Neurocor and what it stands for and what you're working towards, please?
1: (laughs) Yes, quite a big question. Neurocor in its heart is an electroceutical company. Now, most people say, well, what is electroceuticals? If you think about Neurocor as the electrical or bioelectrical version of a pharmaceutical company, Mm -hmm. we research and develop uh, electroceutical or electrical formulations used as therapeutics or as devices or or, um, for well-being, health, pain management, uh, inflammation, a whole range of of areas of physical health.
0: Fantastic. And so as the leader of that kind of organisation, what kind of challenges are you up against at the moment?
1: Uh, I mean, the last 18 months, I think, has thrown some curveballs for uh, a lot of businesses, small, medium and large. We were fortunate that prior to, um, you know, issues raised by uh, the pandemic and a lot of, you know, working issues there, we were already, or, or we were still decentralised rather than already decentralised. We okay. were still decentralised. Okay. So from that perspective, um, we, you know, we didn't miss a beat. Our, our team has grown substantially uh, since March of, of last year. Right. And that uh, growth without having the physical um, or centralised office spaces being, yes, has that, that's thrown its, its challenges. But I think just the usual challenges for us of, the, of being decentralised and, you know, not being able to uh, have that sort of office or more human contact environment, particularly as our product is very human contact yeah. um, based yeah. and you know, there's lots of physical discussions um that that's probably been some of the biggest ones as well as of course uh managing the health and wellness and mental well-being
0: yeah.
1: of, of a growing team uh remotely and I, again i don't think that's exclusive to us
0: yeah absolutely and and is there a plan for you to all return to uh, more of a centralized function or will you remain
1: remote uh, well, it's always been somewhat our intention to remain a hybrid mm-hmm. you know I, i've found over the years that getting the best out of people is, you know, allowing them to perform their best. Some people perform better coming, you know, to an office or travelling to an office every day. That suits their, them as a person, you know, in personal circumstances as well as their persona. Mm-hmm. Um, others, you know, are more akin to working remote. Um, and, you know, we hope to be able to offer a hybrid of, of what works best for our team. And, you know, what the, I'm sure those needs will uh, continue to iterate and change, but... Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's the ultimate goal.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And so you're the CEO at Neurocore, and have been for three and a half, almost coming to four yeah. years. Early part of next year. Yeah,
1: I, I was self-appointed from incorporation.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of in terms of your leadership journey, then was it always the plan to be CEO, or was that quite an organic process?
1: Uh, well, I suppose it was always my my intent to be. CEO to drive you know the business to a certain point. Mm-hmm. I think I accept that there may come a day or a time when there is somebody better placed than than myself. I don't I don't think that's you know at least for for a period of time in the future because um, a lot of what we're doing and growth of what we're doing and is based off of the vision that I um, held and, and you know now the team holds. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm probably the best person to drive that for some time. Yeah. Probably my some of the areas that a CEO assumes when there isn't someone else to take it on is a lot of management. Uh, yeah. For me, I think uh, there's quite a definition between, for, for instance, a chief operating officer and a CEO in the operating officer having more of a management role versus the CEO's vision and leadership role. Yes. And I also think leadership and management are two, not mutually exclusive things, but I think there's two different skill sets.
0: Yes, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. And, and from a career perspective then, were you always, uh, did you always have a desire to be a business leader or did that happen by accident? You found something you were really passionate about? and, and then. You
1: know, I think if you, I think there's some qualities of a, a leader that um, sort of allow them to organically sort of rise or, or move into that area. Mm-hmm. So I would say that from a very young age, even from my early years as a teenager or late teens in, in retail um, sort of I like elevated to, to management quite quite early or as a manager.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and I think whether it's a small team or a large team, you know, basic leadership skills or, uh, uh, c- can be learned, of course, but I think some of them are innate in that, you know, having an empathy and an understanding and being able to stand in other's shoes. I think these are the key attributes which, um, without blowing my own trumpet, I think, uh, I well, I like to think I, I have in some degree. <laughs>
0: Fantastic, and so nicely segue into my next question, which was: Do you believe there are characteristics that are invaluable to leaders?
1: I, I do. I mean, I'm um, you know I've been in, in business or, or or you know working life for for some time now. I turned fifty one this month, and over the years I've you know having worked for some larger corporations and and had a number of. Of businesses and key key sort of leadership roles, I've also come across many leaders who do things very very well, mm-hmm. and I come across some surprising leaders who um, uh, assume leadership rather than earn it. And I think there's definitely a difference between the two. Um, you know, uh, you know, some have a leadership role because because of position; others have a leadership role because they're the best person for that role.
0: Mm-hmm sometimes it's those people that you notice in positions of leadership that maybe you don't identify with their skills. Often they're the ones that you can learn more from,
1: I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree because they're they're not as obvious. They're probably in some respects more nuanced.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and so in terms of your leadership experience and your leadership style, was there an experience earlier on in your career or a piece of advice that someone gave you that shaped the way you do things now? (laughs)
1: Um. you know, I think we can all appreciate or know uh, a good leader, and being able to identify those characteristics uh, sometimes is is nuanced and maybe not as obvious. Other than the fact that they're well respected, um, you know, they are uh, open to feedback from their their team, and you know, the team trusts them more, is is really to the point. And I think. Yes, there's definitely plenty to be learned from that, but I think actually in some respects there's more to be learned from those that are doing it the wrong way because that tends to be more obvious, mm-hmm. you, you know, without moving to a negative direction. Uh, i probably learned the most from seeing things done uh, not well rather than well because, you know, well, I think, is natural. It, it is mm-hmm. that natural position for a leader if they're doing it well. it's It's very obvious or it stands out when it's the opposite. Okay, okay. Yeah.
0: And, and so advice that you would offer someone that's looking to follow in your footsteps, so either they're right at the start of their career or mm. they are just about to take a step up into that leadership role. What advice would you offer to someone in that position?
1: You know, uh, my opinion is that a strong leader has to balance, um, you, you know, you can call it ego, you can call it confidence. You, you must be, you must be confident a confident, and I believe that there's a certain amount of uh, ego that goes into strong leadership, and I don't mean ego to the detriment of others. I mean ego in the belief of oneself, mm-hmm. because if you don't believe in yourself, then you can't expect others, and particularly a, 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 a large team. And a team starts to become uh, a thing on its own. You know, it it moves, it breathes, it it um, it has a, an opinion that that changes. You know, it starts to become more of a collective as well as then the ability to deal with individuals. I think empathy, emotional intelligence yeah. um, will serve you well and, and not a lot of people understand um, what that is, but, uh, you know, being able to feel or, or take position that others may be or see through others' eyes. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, working on your ability to connect uh, will serve, you know, any any leader whether whether you're starting a business or, or whether you're moving into an established position, you, know, you need to earn that trust. You need that. You need to be trustworthy. That's mm-hmm. that's. I think probably one of the most primary characteristics.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. You can't be a leader without the followers, can you?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know you can't follow someone that you you know that you don't have. I'm um, trusting, you know, there's always going to be ups and downs. That That, mm-hmm. that is uh, a given. And, um, yeah, it's fine when things are up, but it's it's really, I think true colours are shown a lot when things, you know, go, go on the downward slide.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so is there a leader that you particularly admire? Is there one person that you could pinpoint or is it a combination of several?
1: I, I know you probably get people stumped on this question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not sure about a leader. I mean, I've listened to a lot of Simon Sinek's um mm-hmm. Uh, work and I, you know I, I really can relate to a, a, a lot of the position he he takes. Not all of it, mm-hmm. but I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of useful information there. And um, I think if you ask any anyone who uh, is doing you know reasonably uh, well in an area, it's not actually easy to convey. Well, it's not easy for me. Maybe that's why I'm not a communications manager. <laughs> I sort of say what I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, a tough question amy maybe okay. i can come back to you on that
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah no problem at all no problem at all and and so can you tell us a little bit about your where it came from and and what's on the cards for the next six to twelve months
1: yeah i'll try and keep the background story short because it sort of started in my early teen years you know mm-hmm. around the age well actually even earlier than that i was around 11 or 12 had my first back pain issue <laughs> um And that followed me through, as well as a knee problem, followed me through to my my, uh, teens. I ended up having uh, orthopedic knee operation. And I had back issues all through my 20s, which became very problematic in my 30s to early 40s, particularly, um, you know, then uh, my first child came along. Uh, I was actually more active in those years probably than I was in uh, the previous 10. And my back pain problems really were weighing on me both mentally and physically to the point where I would have to think about things like tying my shoelace or picking up my kids wow. or you know, bending the wrong way because it might trigger it and you know, I would literally be on my uh, back for days or, or not longer. Uh, I was never offered much of a solution outside of uh, pharmaceutical or, or drugs and injections and exploratory surgery. There was never identified what the specific issue was. And then I happened across uh, the humble Tens machine. Yep. And um, <laughs> it gave me a uh, relief, basically, that I had never had before. And uh, you know the last conversation I'd had with a GP about this issue was, you know, you should be ta- you're going to have to take three thousand milligrams of or well, try taking three thousand milligrams of paracetamol a day it would increase the strength of your anti inflammatories. And my question was, well, you know, how long for? Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> there was not really an end date given,
0: yeah.
1: and I just couldn't live like it. It was just impossible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the 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 positive of the tens machine was it worked. Yeah. The the, the negative was that. Sometimes it wouldn't work at all. Okay. And uh, that started my uh, research into why that was, how it worked, and and a whole range of other things. I started to understand that there was very little science behind these devices and this technology. And over the the years I've, uh, through this research, I've understood that actually every process in the body has an electrical function or, or, you know, a bioelectrical function. Mm -hmm. and that uh, electrical stimulation can have an influence through uh, improvement in circulation, as an example. And it was just a a simply fascinating area. And the more I looked into it, I saw that actually there was quite a bit of research going into the sector, but it was still in its reasonable infancy. And, um, you know, we've had some very, very, well, better than very good, we've had some outstanding results, both with customers and patients and uh, our formulations, and off of the back of that is is you know what we're we're growing and building from. Absolutely,
0: and changing lives. I was looking at the testimonials on the website; they're phenomenal. The difference it, that it's making.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm probably underselling it a little bit. but Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The, I mean, the changing lives is something that drives. The, the whole team. You know, we, we always share these positive reviews because I think it it lifts and drives everybody. Yeah. Adding to that, um, you know, the, the vision for which we hold and the way that we're approaching it has attra- attracted some um, global talent as well as expertise. You know, medical and, uh, and clinical and scientific expertise for which we never dreamed. Um, you know, we we would be associated with, but you know, they're, they're now part of the team.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And what's next over the next six to twelve months?
1: Oh, well, big plans can talk about <laughs> <laughs> so we are currently on a a series round a series a round raise mm-hmm. uh, at the moment uh, to fund you know our next stage of growth research development and scale and distribution uh, we've actually brought in on a, a number of um, international uh, distributors over uh, just the last 6 months but uh, you know our our org chart looks um it's, it's growing by the day and so yeah, the, the growth of the team, the research and development, the products, the direction that I think, well, not I think that medicine and particularly bioelectronic medicine is taking is around personalization for the patient. Yes. The drug companies are doing the same, precision medicine, if you like, mm-hmm. um, in that you know, one, ther- one one formulation or one dosage does not suit all patients. And um, it's around personalising the application of medicine for the individual. That's the direction and without giving too much away.
0: Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, thank you for sharing what you can share, Rick. <laughs> it's
1: welcome. been
0: uh, It's been great speaking with you. I find it fascinating the, the, the difference that these technologies are making. I think it's absolutely fascinating. So I wish you the best of luck.
1: Thank you. Thank you.